kai ngā manukura o te motu taumai ki te hui. Ko orini kaipara tēnei e mihi atu nei kia koutou katoa. Welcome everyone to the hui. Māori current affairs for all of Aotearoa. Inangi tonei. A whānau with a rare genetic mutation. Too many people are dying from stomach cancer. How learning whakapapa can become a life-saving exercise for Māori. Well, we knew it was genetic. We've seen enough of the, the family tree to know it was genetic. Do you believe there'll be other whānau out there who have this gene but don't know about it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Then we meet the ngaitahu father of three going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Parkinson's disease. It's a challenge. It's with you all the time. It's on your mind of how to react to it, deal with it, um, fight it. How is Parkinson's affecting Māori? There's no studies actually that look specifically at Māori living with Parkinson's. While the rate of stomach cancer has been slowly declining for Pākehā and Asian populations here in Aotearoa, the overall rate among Māori and Pacifica is three times what it should be compared to the population size. One of the reasons is that Māori are far more likely to carry an inherited gene called CDH1. But thanks to the ingenuity and whakapapa tracing skills of one tauranga moana whanau, hundreds of lives are being saved. Kea Sarah Hall, te roanga ke o ngā kōrero. This is a celebration, 25 years in the making. Acknowledgements to everybody this afternoon to come together uh, to celebrate life. The McLeod whanau of tauranga gathering together to remember a medical breakthrough that has saved the lives of many of the people sitting in this room. Now they want all Māori to trace their whakapapa to see if they too could carry the same killer gene. Get tested because the disease is not going away. Maybelle McLeod visits this Udapa often. Three decades ago, her family were dying of diffuse gastric stomach cancer in terrifying numbers. There was talk the Fano was cursed for selling the hill behind their papakainga. But Maybelle McLeod, a medical professional, didn't buy it. You as a nurse thought to yourself, something's wrong here. Yeah, too many people are dying from stomach cancer. But you worked out that this, this can't be right. It's got to be hereditary. Yeah. Seeking answers, Maybelle contacted this man, Parry Guilford, a cancer geneticist from Otago University. When you first met them, what did you suspect was going wrong? Well, we knew it was genetic. We'd seen enough of the, the family tree to know it was genetic. Um, we didn't know what the gene was, of course, and we weren't sure we wouldn't know how hard it would be to find it, but we, we knew it was genetic. Maybelle and her team got to work tracing the whānau's whakapapa, taking samples of everyone they could find. People who knew about our whakapapa or our genealogy had passed away, so we had to rely on books that had been left behind by, by, by the family, by the whānau, and work our way this way, <laughs> downwards from there. 
Using this machine, which took pride of place at the McLeod Whānau reunion, Parry Guilford had an incredible stroke of luck. Any idea what's caused the uh, the, the human body carries 20,000 genomes, but it was only the fifth gene he tested that provided the answer. Yeah, we got really lucky there, though. I mean, I don't know, don't know <laughs> we got really lucky. So it could have been, we could have been still looking now. The McLeod Fano carried what is called the CDH1 gene, which causes a mutation that can lead to diffuse gastric cancer. For, you know, lab scientists who often just spend their lives in the lab and all you see is the test tubes and the Bunsen burners, it's, um, it's really nice to actually do something for people and, you know, and, and to have a chance to come to an occasion like this is just like the most gratifying, wonderful thing. For the past 25 years, the McLeod Farno have been able to stay one step ahead of the gene. They built this clinic on their papa kāinga. Okay, so we'll get some branches. Every member of the Farno is tested. If they have the CDH1 gene, they can have their stomachs removed as a preventative measure. One of them was singer Stan Walker. Oh, you pray for me, pray for me. Oh, love it when you pray for me. His aunt's intuition saving his life. The ones that are coloured in black are, are the ones that died of cancer, but that's only up to a certain point. Your curiosity in saying something was wrong has saved the lives of so many of your whanau. I'm just glad that they don't have to die anymore. Do you feel proud of the work that you did? I do feel proud. It was a medical mystery that yes. you all solved yes. together. We solved it together. Now the CDH1 gene has been traced in families all over the world. <laughs> you ever made me boil up. <laughs> Here in New Zealand, there are 25 families who carry the gene most of them Māori. Yeah. Dr Karen Parinatai is not related to the McLeods, but she too found out she carried the gene more than a decade ago and had her stomach removed. Do you feel the mahi of the McLeod whānau in many ways saved your life? Oh, 100% they saved my life. Pākāpāpā was... Is, was central to the success of the whole entire project. And if it wasn't Dr. Pari Natai now researches the importance of whakapapa and genetics. Her work emphasises the potentially life-saving benefits of reconnecting with your whānau. My father was born and raised in Hōrewera, a small, rural, Māori community on the East Cape. In 1968, when he was 17 years old, he left Hōrewera to move to Invercargill for seasonal employment at the freezing rooms. His intention was to return to the East Coast during the off-season, but he never did. That meant Karen was disconnected from her whānau. It was only when she went back to the East Coast later in life she found out she could be a carrier of the CDH1 gene. I hadn't really had this idea of whānau and whakapapa and what it meant, and then all of a sudden I'm faced with this genetic mutation that is throughout my whakapapa. And I'm, it was real, I think that was where more my struggle was, not the gene itself and what that meant, but just now being part of something bigger than just myself. So what would you say to Māori who have lost contact with their papakāinga, who don't go home? Mm that I would really, really seriously encourage people to just do it. Digging back into your papa and having conversations about medical histories, which is 
absolutely terrifying and no one really talks about the things that are bothering them medically. But I think we need to, we need to have those conversations. Dr Parinatai now wants all Māori who have had a family member die of diffuse gastric cancer to seek answers. Answers that could be found in the CDH1 gene. Does the medical establishment throughout Aotearoa know enough about this gene? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Here in Tauranga, it's great because they have established this really good system within their whanaus. But the rest of the country, not at all. Do you believe there'll be other whānau out there who have this gene but don't know about it? Absolutely. They say everything, it happens for a reason. 25 years on, many of the people gathered here today are alive because of a miraculous medical breakthrough between the McLeod whānau and a geneticist from Otago University. Now the message is clear to other whānau. Understand your whakapapa to protect your future. Get checked out. Make sure that everybody in your, your whakapapa is tested. There is still people falling by the wayside. And in this day and age, they shouldn't be. So there are answers? There are answers. Please get tested. We didn't do this so that you can ignore it. Nā Sarah Hall, tērā pūrongo. E whaiakenei, coming up, ka kōreroa hau kia Malcolm Mulholland o te rōpū Patient Voice Aotearoa. Wai hape mai, welcome back. The government's medicine purchasing agency, Pharmac, is reviewing the way it funds drugs for child cancer patients. Rule 8.1b of the pharmaceutical schedule allows all cancer medicines for children to be funded by the agency. But Pharmac is calling for feedback on this rule, citing rising costs and concerns around fairness and equity compared with other groups. It's a move that has raised alarm amongst the Fano and advocates of child cancer patients. Hei matapaki i tēnei take, kua honomaia Malcolm Mulholland, mā ngai mo te rōpū patient voice Aotearoa. Malcolm, tēnā koe, thank you for joining us today. Tell us, what sparked this review? Uh, it came about as a result of a case that was taken to the Human Rights Commission by my colleague and fellow trustee Fiona Tolich. So Fiona at the time was advocating for children with spinal muscular atrophy to have a drug funded called Spinraza. Um, thankfully, that's actually starting to happen now. Um, but basically what Fiona was saying was it's great that children with cancer get the drugs that they need, and long may that continue, but we also need to do the same for children with a rare disorder. Mm. And that's where, if you like, the discrimination happens, and we need to bring all children onto a level playing field whereby they can receive the medicines that they need. That's really what's prompted um, this review that Pharmac are undertaking right now. All right, and what are your main concerns with it? My main concerns is that Pharmac might, and they have put this in the discussion document, actually look to create a level playing field by taking away Rule 81B and not allowing um, paediatric oncologists to prescribe the drugs that they need in order to treat children with cancer. So rather than saying for children right across the board, regardless of disease or condition, we're going to fund what drugs you guys need, 
they may actually go the other way and go, let's take it away from children with cancer so that all children are treated equally. And that would be an absolute disaster. Yeah, is Pharmac just underfunded, Malcolm? It is. That's the root cause of this problem. Their margins are so tight, they have no ability um, to accommodate. Um, it might be uh, rising cancer costs, sure, in terms of the purchasing of medicines, although we always believe that Pharmac greatly inflate that in order to carry favour with the public. Um, but ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It's a lack of budget. OK. When Pharmac talks about equity with other groups, what or who are they referring to? Yeah, good question. And sometimes you have to try and figure that one out. I know that there's a big push at the moment to create, if you like, equity with Māori and also with disabled people. Um, and, you know, that's a lofty goal and, and should be applauded. What we don't want to see, though, is that um, efforts to create equity between Māori and non-Māori, for example, um, is actually used as a rationing tool. So, therefore, what we're getting at is let's just restrict use to Māori and eliminate the rest of the population. Absolutely, Māori need the medicines that they need, but so do the rest of the population. And in that respect, we don't want to see it used as a rationing tool. OK, so what impact, if any, will Te Whatuora have on this situation, Malcolm? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, in the past, Pharmac have operated um, completely independently of the rest of the health system. And that was one of the criticisms that came out of the recent review, was that Pharmac can no longer operate in a silo. And in fact, actual fact, the Minister of Health himself said the independent days of Pharmac are over. What seems to be continuing to happen, though, is that Pharmac is still a law unto themselves and haven't yet been brought back in to the wider health system. They need to start having conversations with the likes of Te Whatuora and the Māori Health Authority to go, if we do this, what is the flow-on uh, effect in the rest of the health system, especially in terms of cost? Because we know if you front-foot medicines, if you fund medicines properly, it creates savings elsewhere in the health system. The question then is, why isn't the government reining them in? Again, really good question. I do not know why there seems to be a total lack of leadership and culture within Pharmac to go, you know what, we've got a problem. Yes, we give children with cancer the drugs that they need, and that's fantastic, but let's try and bring all children onto a level playing field by giving them the medicines that they need. There seems to be a real lack of leadership. There was no suggestion in the document that they might be looking to create a different mechanism by which that can happen, or a different fund, if you like. Um, and there also seems to be a real lack of a discussion between our political leaders, be it the Minister of Health or the Prime Minister, and Pharmac themselves in order to figure out a solution rather than putting the onus back on the public and saying it's an either-or situation. Mm. So what, what could happen as a result of this review and how many tamariki are we talking about that could be impacted by it? Yeah, so again, it's actually quite difficult to try and ascertain the numbers affected. Um, it could be anything as low as maybe 10 children a year, or it could be as high as 100 children a year. We still don't have hard and fast data as to the numbers using Rule 81B. Um, and so, yeah, whilst that may not seem like a significant number, every life counts. And we know that overall there have been some 1,500 children treated over the past decade um, using eight, Rule 81B, so that would suggest that the numbers are somewhat higher. Um, but really, um, every life saved as a rule of 81B is an absolute victory. Mm. 
Malcolm, I understand you've been a long-time advocate for cancer patients, and that comes as a result of your own late wife, Wiki, her diagnosis with cancer. And it's really actually sad to hear that you yourself have recently been diagnosed with cancer. I wonder, as a patient, are you discovering things about the health system you hadn't realised before? Um, I've been quite fortunate in my own experience that my cancer, prostate cancer, was picked up. But I must say the way that that came about was a complete surprise and that probably did highlight some of the shortcomings of the health system overall. So I was just very lucky that I had a passionate uh, medical specialist who insisted that I get a PSA test, which is what picked up the prostate cancer and things from there happened pretty quick for me um, but I did have to go private because there were no guarantees in the public health system that I could be operated on in time. A couple of things that I found along the way, one is that we don't have any screening guidelines when it comes to prostate cancer. All the ones that we do have are actually um, well out of date. They're about seven or eight years old. And the other thing I learnt uh, yet again is that we don't fully fund medicines that we need to to treat um, patients who have prostate cancer. Um, there's about two or three drugs that are funded in Australia that are absolutely the standard of care. Um, they're not funded here. Malcolm, just very quickly, you've started a petition on Rule 8.1b. Uh, what message do you have for Pharmac? Um, please listen to the public. Nobody wants to see this happen. Come up with something inventive. Come up with a particular mechanism by which children who need medicines can get the medicines they need. That's about creating equity. Don't take it away for children with cancer, because if you do, children with cancer in some situations will die. And that should not be happening in today's age in Aotearoa. That is patient voice Aotearoa Mangai, Malcolm Mulholland. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And at the Iwi, consultation is open on Rule 8.1b until Wednesday, December the 14th. You can find details on the Pharmac website. After the break, hey muri te whakatairanga, we meet the man going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Parkinson's disease. For years, it looked like the one health statistic where Māori were best off, not the worst. Māori appeared to develop the debilitating brain condition Parkinson's disease at just half the rate of Pākehā. But worrying new evidence is bad news for Māori, and researchers want help from Fano to find out what to do next. Now, one man is taking up the fight with Parkinson's. Ah, kaya Natasha Vala tēnei pūrungo. Johnny Boyle, see you later. or as they call him here, Johnny Rockstar, starts most Thursday mornings with a sweat-up at Unruly Gym in West Auckland. Alrighty team, we're gonna get this party started. This proud Ngaitahu dad in Westie has been coming here for more than five years. Let's go but this is no ordinary boxing class. Here, students aren't just working their muscles, they're also working on their brains because Johnny and his friends all have Parkinson's disease. It's a challenge. It's with you all the time. It's on your mind of how to react to it, deal with it, um, fight it. Parkinson's is a degenerative, incurable brain disease. 
Patients often have tremors or shakes in their hands or legs and difficulty walking, thinking or speaking. Symptoms that get worse over time. But exercise like this Parkinson's specific counterpunch class can really help. I was good, I pushed myself hard. So I haven't been for a couple of weeks, but uh, I can feel the neurons firing. I've got tremor now. I'm a bit shaky, but uh, I know later on, I just feel so much better for it. Statistics are sketchy, but it's estimated around 12,000 people in Aotearoa live with Parkinson's. And that number is set to explode. It's the fastest growing neurological disease or condition in the world. Um, and we estimate that, yes, that the figures will double in New Zealand in the next decade or decade and a half. Right now, statistics show 114 out of every 10,000 Māori have Parkinson's. For Pākehā, that figure is 223. Johnny's been throwing himself into every available Parkinson's activity since he was diagnosed more than five years ago. But he's yet to meet another Māori with the condition. None, no, no. Haven't met any. Uh, there's a gentleman from the Cook Islands, uh, a, a gentleman from Tonga, um, the rest are white New Zealanders. Johnny and his three teenage daughters share a coastal home surrounded by native trees and birdsong. The whānau is close, but they've been brought even tighter by Johnny's diagnosis. I went through a couple of life-changing events, losing my job, my marriage ended and stuff, and um, they were really big curveballs that I had never expected. But those challenges helped prepare Johnny for his diagnosis. Dealing with those actually put me in really good stead for this big life change. So I just kind of took it on the chin and, and it was like, well, if you've got it, um, there's nothing you can do about it. So no point sitting and sulking and, and being upset and saying, why me and that. I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to them about donating my brain. Yeah. For all his positivity, it's not always easy. Johnny is open about the hardships of living with Parkinson's. He's not working, he can't drive, and he occasionally spends days in bed. Okay, Google, play me a video. Sure, playing recommended YouTube videos. I can deal with and get on with it, but my daughters. I struggle for them. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I can get up and I can go to the gym and get on with it and fight and it, but they see me some days struggling to get out of a chair and talk. Um, and, God, that must be hard, hard for them. This morning, Johnny has delayed taking his medication and the effects are clear. His speech is affected, there's a notable tremor in his arms and legs. The med meds I take, um, I think it's about 16, 17 a day. Wow. So That's as well as? As well as a pump. Johnny has chosen to face Parkinson's head on, volunteering for numerous research projects, even at a personal cost. I've been in various studies. I was in a study for a new medication, which had a, a bad effect on me in the end, and I ended up in hospital for a couple of weeks, so that wasn't fun and games. So why does it appear that few Māori are developing Parkinson's? Are they hidden or is no one looking? The true figure 
of how many Māori people in New Zealand have got Parkinson's is, is not known. But now new research is pointing to strong reasons why whānau need to become familiar earlier with the symptoms of Parkinson's. For many years it was felt that maybe Māori had been uh, advantaged uh, for once in terms of the health statistics. But unfortunately, we don't think that's the case anymore. There's very, very recent research by the University of Auckland into something that's called the pink one gene. And unfortunately, this discovery could mean that Māori have got a predisposition to early onset Parkinson's, as is the case for some Pacifica people, principally Samoan and Tongan. So this is a very, very new discovery, which would be quite distressing uh, for uh, Māori and Pacifica communities. That could mean that Māori are significantly more at risk of developing the disease as early as their 30s and 40s. Andrew Bell from Parkinson's New Zealand says an early onset diagnosis brings increased complications. But when you're diagnosed in your 30s, let's say, I mean, not only is there the shock that you've got this degenerative neurological disease that is going to shorten your lifespan, but you've got responsibilities around children, around family, around your career. So do you tell your boss, there's a challenge for you. you know, what happens if you drive a truck? How long can you drive your truck for with Parkinson's? And when are you responsible? Those are the real life challenges that face you when you've got Parkinson's. There's still little known about how Parkinson's develops amongst Māori. There's no studies actually that look specifically at Māori um, living with Parkinson's. Aren't she beautiful? But Ngaitahu's Katrina Bryant is hoping to change that. She's part of an Otago University team about to launch a groundbreaking study into how Māori and Pacifica experience Parkinson's. The study received half a million dollars from the Michael J. Fox Foundation to fill the gap in the research. So that's what we're hoping to do with this research, is engage Māori to collect their voice so they can let us know how to best provide service for Māori. Katrina and her team are looking for 30 Māori and 30 Pacifica with Parkinson's to be part of their research. As always, Johnny is a starter. If you die here, I've got to get your brain to a brain bank, right? Yeah. In fact, Johnny is so committed to the cause, he plans to donate his brain after his death to Auckland University's Centre for Brain Research. My brain is not going to be any use to me when I'm gone, but it can be a good use to medical science. He doesn't expect other Māori to follow suit, but he is encouraging them to look for Parkinson's symptoms and not to be afraid if they're diagnosed. Share, tell people about it, don't be scared of it. Educate yourself, take on board the, what the experts say. Yeah, and you are still you. And life doesn't end with a diagnosis. No, 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 you can have a good quality of life. You're not that, that poor, shaking man sitting in a chair who can't get up. I've got a really good life and uh, lots of really good friends. And with his whānau by his side, this rock star won't be throwing down his gloves anytime soon. Kaori, yari, karikanga, mihi kia koe, Johnny, kia kaha tonu koe to you and your whānau. Thank you very much for sharing your story with us here on Tehui. Nat Natasha Vela tērā pūrongo e te iwi. Hoia nō kua hoki tēnei manu ki tana rongo hua mo tēnei wiki tēnā koutou katoa noho ora mai.
Nā te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.